the point here is he's made us sit together with him in heavenly places in christ jesus that is the legal position of things but just because it's the legal position of things does not mean that it is the evident reality and what sons are supposed to do are we together is to take that reality and manifest it on the earth but in their desire to manifest it on the earth they will come across contention and friction we wrestle not against flesh and blood the wrestling is not legal we are superior but there is resistance so here is the point now so what is the point of prayer prayer is how we advance this cause to be able to carry out some of the things that you need to do so for example when it comes to persistence and importunity if you don't pray the prayer of edification you will lack stamina for longevity what is affecting our lack of importunity is the fact that we are not built spiritually to last that long come on somebody all right so that means that that thing that you're giving up is a test of your spiritual stamina is that you're not we're not yet built to handle that level of waiting he said to moses he says build me a tabernacle so that i can dwell in the midst of the people so what was the purpose of the tabernacle for god's dwelling you see that that was the design that was why he designed the tabernacle so that he could find in their midst the opportunity to dwell amongst them not visit them not that they visit him but that he all right it's still sound okay so this is our school of prayer overflow we want to there are two things we want to do and we want to be mindful to time because if we can finish earlier today so we can fellowship you guys can go home it's been a busy weekend we're sensitive to that as a church as a house so two key things we want to do today i know that during school of prayer we didn't get the opportunity to do q a's and um, we want to see if we can answer some of the questions you guys would have and then we want to want to talk about talk about faith okay so uh, pastor tin is going to be guiding us through that so i'll just hand over to her yeah yeah so welcome everyone this is like the extended version of school of prayer and um, we will be going through the q a so we'll be asking some answering some of your questions um predominantly on faith but before i get started please do share the link i'm sure those people who are joining us throughout the week will benefit from this session as well so if you can share the link instagram facebook twitter whatever um whatsapp status and let everybody be blessed by what we're going to discuss so um, we're just going to do like a quick recap of what was discussed specifically yesterday. Um, who enjoyed yesterday's session? Did you enjoy it? Yeah? Yeah, no. So we'll be um, kind of like recapping what was discussed yesterday. I've just got some key pointers, some key things, um, just a little overview to share. So of course, Apostle TJ was discussing faith. Um, and what is faith? Faith is the things of things, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things seen, um, Hebrews 11 verse 1. 
Um, one of the th key things that apostles discussed about, which really stood out to me, was the idea of desires and why our desires are important. Um, one of the things that he had mentioned yesterday, which I love, was that desires are doors. Um, and he gave the example of the prodigal son and about how there was a mismanaging of desires from um, the son that stayed versus the son that she went out. And I love the example that he also gave of Hannah when she was also like persisting and um, you know, waiting for the child, expecting God for the child and what faith looked like in that area. Um, some other key scriptures which he had mentioned as well was um, John 14, I believe. John 14, verse 12. So I'm just going to read that quickly, just so that we could have a bit of context. So that's John 14, verse 12. And it says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the name. If you ask, any, if you ask me anything in my name, I will, do, I will do it. And the thing I love about what um, Apostle TJ had mentioned was just the role of faith in sonship and in prayer. I love the idea of like partnering with the Holy Spirit, uh, making sure that we pray um, according to what he wills, um, making sure that we um, use our desires. Um, I love what you said yesterday about, uh, there's something about desires that which really stood out to me when you were saying that it's a door and if mismanaged, you could be like used for like manipulation. So it's important that we stay attuned to the Holy Spirit, make sure that we are you know, connected as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I love when you kept on emphasizing certain points, like keep asking, keep praying, that there's nothing that our God could not do. You know, what, like how much more can a heavenly father do for us? If your biological father wouldn't, um, would give you the best, how much more a heavenly father? So those were the things that um, really stood out to me. Um, and I just think that that kind of like allows us to segue into the next segment, which is answering the questions on faith. I have got a few questions on faith um, that we're going to discuss. So my first question is, what is faith? What is faith? So anyone of you could lead in answering what is faith? She has the teacher's anointing. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I think one thing to distinguish as well is that um, there are two aspects of faith. There's the theoretical element of faith, but then there's also the practical um, reality of faith. So it's not just a, a concept in the air. It's actually something that is real and is tangible. So you can actually see it tangibly yeah. manifesting. Um, and faith, in essence, uh, in the most simple way you can define it or describe it, is trusting in God. It's trusting mm -hmm. in God um, and not being um, impacted by any natural um, events or occurrences or, or that trust not being wavered by yeah. any um, um, experiences that might seem tense or um, difficult or challenging. So that's what um, faith is fundamentally. So trusting in God. And the thing about faith is that it doesn't require, from the context, we all have natural faith, as we know. Yeah. We enter the Uber, you know, we, we don't think that, <laughs> as I was mentioned, we don't think that a person it's is true. a killer or is going to kill anyone. We trust that Uber has done the due diligence and that we are safe um, in that regard. Or when we sit on our chair, 
we know that the, the chair is going to carry our weight. Mm-hmm. We're not concerned about that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting none of us. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <It's gonna laughs> um, but beyond that, when you speak about faith, um, in terms of Obviously, God is, the Bible lets us know that God is a spirit. Yeah. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's a spirit being. So when we're having faith, we're not relying on human physical um, or physical eyes or what we can see around us on the earthly realm. It's more about um, that spiritual relationship that you have with God mm-hmm. that you carry with you wherever you go. Yeah. And that's why that scripture that you quoted earlier on, um, Hebrews, um, you know, it's a su- uh, the substance of things hoped for, yeah. the evidence of things not seen. The reason why it's not seen is because you can't see with your human eyes. Yeah. But it is an evidence. Mm. It's actually, there's evidence for it. Um, and I think I'll leave it there. Um, I'll just conclude the fact that the world thinks that when we say we have faith in God, they seem to assume that we are imagining somebody who isn't there. So we're mm. seeing things that are not there. But actually, <laughs> the spiritual things are even the things that brought natural things into being. Yeah. And if that's the case, spiritual things are more tangible than natural things. Yeah, it's just good. the fact that the world relates on this realm and they don't know anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would um, emphasize. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. Wow. Pastor that's a, B. That's amazing. If I could just, just add to that. I think it's important to know that faith is reality. Mm. You see that faith is real. I think that's part of what you were saying. Faith is reality. It's it's faith is spiritual realities that is first and foremost situated in who we have that faith in. That's important because sometimes when we deal with faith, we deal with faith. And I think this is why when it comes to like the body of Christ, this is why people now on the subject of faith, it's become a bit mystical. Yeah. Okay, because the definitions need to be in place. The, the first and most important um, fundamental when it comes to faith is who we have faith in. Mm. Whosoever must come to God must believe that he is, yeah. that he exists, and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. So faith is, is firstly the reality that there is a God. Yeah. That is what it is. Does that make sense? Every other thing that happens after that in the exercise of it is, is dependent on that. So that is what faith is. Faith is spiritual reality that is situated in God, that can be found. So when we talk about faith, I think you, you mentioned this. One of those things is we can talk about natural faith. Does that make sense? There are people that you believe. So for example, if I say to you, I'm coming to your house at 4 p.m., right? You believe me, you wait for me. What if I'm, I'm outside Leicester? <laughs> Does that make sense? All right, so there's natural faith. But what we're talking about here now is Bible faith. Yeah. Someone say Bible faith. Bible faith. Yeah, what we're talking about now is Bible faith. And that Bible faith begins with locating the source who is God. So I, I think I'll leave it there. And I'm sure we'll break down the dynamics and the attributes as we go on. Yeah. No, yes. No, that was really good. Thank you so much, um, Lady B, as well as Apostle, for that definition. And um, so my next question is, how does faith play a role in our relationship with God? Um, how does faith play a role in our relationship with God? Yeah, when you look at Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 should not be underestimated and we shouldn't be familiar with it. Does that make sense? The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whosoever must come to God must first believe that he exists yeah. 
and there's a reward of those that diligently seek him. Uh, another way of saying that is without faith, it's impossible to please God is without faith, it's impossible to do business with God. Yeah. That's another way of saying it. Without faith, it's important to have transaction with God. So essentially, this is why the entirety of our Christian work is the work of faith. Yeah. That's why we call it the work of faith. That's why we say, are you in the faith? So one of the things I'm very passionate about, the church understanding is faith is not an emergency tool. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So say faith. Faith. It's not an emergency it's tool. It's not an emergency yeah. tool. If you understand faith as an emergency tool, you're underusing the potentiality of faith. Mm. Faith is too precious a spiritual commodity that it cannot be segmented. Yeah. It has to be the entire experience that one has with God. So essentially, faith is how we walk with God because faith is, this is what faith is. Faith is, again, spiritual reality. Right, spiritual reality, and God is a spirit. Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? So, faith is how I interact with. I, I want us to understand this that invisible does not mean non existent. Yeah. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Invisible, it doesn't mean non existent. So, faith is important because God is invisible. Yeah, all right, and for us to have relationship with an invisible God. All right, for us to amalgamate two realms, the spiritual realm and the natural realm, the connecting factor there is faith. Mm. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. All right, I think um, you might want to add to this. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to say as well that you need faith um, in God because every inter interaction you have with him requires faith. Um, so every single thing that you need to do, whether it's ask from him, you have to believe that he exists. Mm. Whether it means talking to him, you have to believe that he exists to even um, um, commence or start that conversation with him or hear from him. You have to believe that he speaks. Yeah. So it's very, very important to remember that. And the other angle I just wanted to bring on that, um, as I was speaking, I, uh, John chapter 3 came to my mind and how Jesus was saying how it's impossible that you can't, unless you're born from above, you cannot see nor enter the kingdom of God. So mm -hmm. what Apostle was saying is that invisible doesn't mean non-existent. And what, that, what we're trying to say is that just because something cannot be seen with your human eyes, it doesn't mean it, do, it doesn't exist in a realm that is different. So, and I think what we're trying to say here, again, like I said, I will reiterate, God exists in a realm that is unique to him. Mm -hmm. So only those that have the same DNA and the same make up as him can access him in that same capacity yeah and that's why this whole idea of sonship mm -hmm. abba is so important because we now understand the why and that's why jesus again was saying you have to be born from above yeah. to be able to see or detect this kingdom mm -hmm. if you are if you are a bystander or somebody who doesn't know god to you that would look like where are they coming from it's like the wind is it there is it here where is it we don't know because we cannot locate it yeah. but those that have the same you know, made with the same particles, with the same traits and characteristics, can identify and find him. In our relationship, Apostle can say something really far and I would know his voice. So that's how close, faith is about that closeness and interaction with God. I think that's the only thing I will add. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, very um, vital points. I love what you were talking about, how faith is like our interaction with God, which I think is very key um very key and there was something that just came into my mind about imaging god 
as well. Um, I know we've spoken about it before about, you know, imaging God, imago Dei. Um, so when I think about how does faith play a role in our relationship with God, I think about like us imaging him, imaging his nature, imaging who he is. Um, and I think that kind of plays into my next question in that if, for example, what do we do when we feel that our faith is weak, that our faith is shaken, um, where we feel like, I don't know whether it's tired or whether we feel like, you know, you know, seasons pass, seasons go. Yeah. I know you don't like using the word seasons. We're not in agriculture. <laughs> because we're not farmers. <laughs> <laughs> Times pass, times yeah. go. <laughs> um, times pass, times go. Yeah. Um, so what do we do in that time where our faith is like shaken? Yeah. Um, should I go first? I feel like I'm kind of... Say it again. Should I go first? Okay, Because I yeah, feel yeah, like... Yeah. 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 Um, so I think to answer that question, um, so what do we do when our faith is shaken? It's funny because I was actually having this conversation, this exact conversation this morning um, with one of my staff members, believe it or not. And one of the things that I'd said was like sometimes being in a community, being with a group like the Everyday Prayer, um, School of Prayer, and actually being around prayer. The Bible talks about, you know, um, being strengthened by your brother, iron sharpens iron. Um, I think some of the faults that we may have as Christians is thinking that we have to do it alone. And one of the things that God champions, um, you know, when we look at Adam and Eve, the first thing he thought of was family. Yeah. And I think about when our faith is weak, there's nothing wrong in going to your brother, sister church and actually saying, look, you pray with me. Um, I don't feel necessarily strong right now. Um, so I need your help. And before you know it, you know, your faith is getting stronger. You're getting built stronger because that's what I believe God desired. He desired, yeah. like, when he created the body, he created, you know, the head, the arms, the legs, everything comes in a function. And it's not to say that, you know, I think, obviously, consistent faith, I think making sure that you're not moved by um, situations and stuff, which is what um, Lady B talks about in the morning, uh, in the morning, um, earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> earlier on. Um, but I definitely feel like... Um, to really plug yourself into a family is so important. Um, definitely important when your faith is weak. Um, does anybody have anything else to share? Yeah, I was going to talk about one of the things when it comes to the subject of faith is demystifying it. Um, even, the, even the disciples who are around Jesus, they also had questions. How, how does this faith thing work? Because yeah. they were like, increase our faith. Because obviously he did this miracle. They're like, ah, increase our faith. Because obviously... So I think that's one of the, the, the and I think I think it's important to deal with some foundational things, some core things, because one thing we must understand is is every believer must know this that you're born with faith. Yeah. That you're born. Th these are key. These are key discipleship things because sometimes we want to start from the place of it's as though we have to struggle for faith. The first thing is the Bible says to every man, Romans chapter twelve is given a measure of faith. So the fact that you're born again, you're actually born by faith and born with faith. Yeah. Does that make sense? The Bible says, if we confess with our mouths and we believe with our hearts, the Lordship of Jesus and God raised him from the dead will be saved. The fact that you're saved, you're a product of faith. So your first faith experience is salvation. So faith essentially then is not a mystery to you. 
Then the Bible says this. The Bible says that so every man is given a measure, is dealt a measure of faith. Yeah. So, because it's important that we understand that in this journey, again, coming back to how nothing starts with us and everything starts with God. Yeah. It's important we understand the provision of God. We build everything on that which God has provided, that reality. So I think once we understand that, it's, again, it's like, it's like um, love. Does that make sense? A Christian is supernaturally born with love. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. The Bible says, and we know that hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shared abroad our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So that means once I come into Christ, love is, in, it got, love is imprinted on my spirit. So I'm not trying to cultivate what I don't have. I'm not trying to impute what I don't have. Does that make sense? The same thing with faith. So I think that one of the things that when your faith is weak, is to remember that firstly you have faith on the inside now you can now do things to strengthen it you can do things to grow it you can do things to water one of those things you can do is to increase your word level does that make sense the bible says faith comes by hearing and by hearing of the word of god is to increase your word level is to increase it it's 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 as though it's um you know we all eat different portions and different sizes of food amen <laughs> some of us snack we say we eat god sees us some of us eat we say we snack god sees us some of us our little is a mountain god sees us all right but now this is what it is have you have you had seasons where maybe because of how tedious things are you're hungrier than usual Anybody had the songs that said, no, that's my reality. I'm always hungry. <laughs> right? Okay. Now, or have you had a day where because you've been so busy, right, you've not eaten, you're very hungry. Now, food is food, but the food that I eat when I'm very hungry, must, the food I eat must be dependent on the level of my hunger. That is the same thing. The word that I take in must meet the level of my hunger. I think an important point we looked at yesterday is word abundance. Remember that phrase? Remember that, that phrase? That's a key phrase. Word abundance. In John 15, Jesus says, if my words abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it will be done unto you. It's as though the word is a new trend for spiritual performance. Do you see that? When I mean spiritual, I'm not talking about performance in a negative. I'm saying that the ability to produce results is dependent on my diet in that sense. And faith is that spiritual diet. So my faith is weak. I have to recognize that, yeah, it's true that I know the word of God, but the level that I'm going to requires a new level of sufficiency. Yeah. So I can increase my word intake. That's another, and then you talked about, you know, being around people. And I think that element you talked about, Pastor Tenu, in terms of, being around people and how that strengthens your faith that's what we call impartation so i say impartation impartation can i define impartation for you yeah. impartation now this is this is a very key definition impartation is the transfer of divine resources from one spiritual conduit to another it is the transfer of divine resources from one spiritual so in other words we can come together right now and there can be transference. An example of that we see in scripture is Saul. The Bible says that Saul, believe it or not, he went into the midst of the prophet and he started prophesying. Naturally, Saul was not a prophet. He didn't have a prophetic gift. But by association, there was impartation. 
right the law of association is also the law of impartation like begets like does that make sense when god um when when god spoke to mary about having jesus one of the things that god told her to do was to go locate um elizabeth someone who was also walking a crazy step like her <laughs> does that make sense and the bible says that when mary went to elizabeth the bible says the baby on the inside of elizabeth leaped there are associations that can, that can cause you to leap do you, do you understand what i'm saying to you uh, there are there are proximities you come into so one level of impartation is word impartation another level of impartation is being around people there's something called the spirit of faith yeah. but we'll look at that as we go along yeah yeah i, I really liked um the contributions from both Tino and apostle and it just made me think especially what you said about the um word increasing your word level so i want us to kindly link that to what was said in the beginning which was faith is faith in god it's not just faith for faith's sake is actually in god so when you study the word you get to know god more and more every day so you can't place reliance or trust in somebody that you don't know well like it doesn't it even from a natural sense it doesn't add up so that's another angle i just wanted to bring to just remind us of that and there's that, that scripture as well when um, i'm trying to remember where that scripture is but um i think it, it was in the context of preaching the gospel and how can people call on someone they don't even know yeah like how can they even declare somebody that they've not even heard about that's not been preached to them so the same thing is how can you have faith in someone you don't really know and there are levels of knowledge apostle spoke about the four kinds of knowledge um you can know from your head that oh yeah this is god which is great it's very informative that's amazing we all <laughs> we cannot assimilate information and we've all gone to uni but there's another element whereby there's um ginosko. that's another kind of knowledge in the bible can you see the difference <laughs> i said ginosko. she said hinosko please just learn correctly from her yeah <laughs> yeah so and that is an intimate kind of knowledge so you can know somebody you know the, the bible quite often says oh and abraham knew his wife or this person knew their wife and it's talking about intimacy there being intimately close to to god knowing him so it's not just um coming through um looking through the bible and reading it and oh yeah i've read i've I read through exodus leviticus and numbers oh yeah okay what else it's about knowing him intimately and jesus i'm going to close with this jesus made this statement that you guys he was talking to the pharisees he says you guys you read the scriptures because you think in them is eternal life but you don't want but these scriptures talk about me they testify about me that's what he said and you don't want to come to me you just you're just so content with just mm. reading the word so i think our posture of the word as well needs to be correct we need to see it as this is me getting to know my father and I, and and that's where i'm gonna i mean my contribution no thank you so much thank you both for your contributions i think that was definitely helpful in answering that question so my next question is how do i practically develop faith so how do i practically develop faith yeah now that, that that's an that's an important question um i think one of the first things about faith is this is that and, and I and I see this a lot in like our what I would call our Pentecostal charismatic movement. It's kind of the same way we talk about prayer, and we've been trying to debunk a few myths in that sense. One of the things that um, you know now we're talking about the dynamics of faith here now, yeah. the practicality of faith. Now I, I think it will, it will be maybe worth mentioning. There is a theory of faith, 
You've heard me say this, and then there is the dynamics of the practice of faith. The theory of faith has to do with everything that Jesus has done for us. The, uh, we can call it almost the systematic theology element. There's systematic theology, there's practical theology. In other words, the study of it, essentially the things that are legal. The theory of faith deals with the things that are legal. Justification. That's what I'm saying to you. Sanctification, redemption, glorification. All these things are legal works. Now, if you want some more understanding on this, I think um, we have some resources. I think the first season of diving, I think we have that. Lade can help us find that. Um, you know, we have some resources on there that will help you. Now, this, this theory of faith is actually very important because if you don't have the right theory of faith, when it comes to dealing with circumstances, you're going to start struggling because you don't, we don't have the legality that backs and that the enemy knows when we don't have legality. Does that make sense? The devil respects. That's why casting out devils. Well, you open the question. I'm just going to go for it now. That's why casting out devils is not about shouting. It's about, it's about legality. Legality is understood. So now here's the point. So I say the theory of faith. So the theory of faith has to do with everything that is legal about our salvation. Does that make sense? And that is essentially what faith really rests on. So for example, Jesus said um, in the book of Mark, Mark 11, he said, if you say to this mountain, right, uproot yourself and go cast yourself into the sea, he says, and you don't doubt in your heart, all right? It shall be done unto you. Now, Joe Bloggs, you know Joe Bloggs. <laughs> that means a random person, just in case there's an actually song called Joe Bloggs. Uh, a random person can try that principle and they don't have the results. So that means Jesus wasn't talking to everybody. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, he, was, he was talking to believers that have a legal context. There is a reason why the mountain responds to them. They are sons. The earnest of creation is awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. There is a legality that sons have in the earth. But you won't get that. It's not in Mark 11 that you will get that aspect. Jesus is not saying anybody that doesn't doubt. This is not a motivational. Let's do it. Or just, you know, Nike, just do it. Or, no, this is, this is about legality. So now, someone who hasn't come to understand the legal side of faith, the theory of faith, can spend a lot of energy commanding things, decreeing things, pushing things, and they're not getting results. Because what is missing is, the, are we still here? What is missing in the context? So now, the second part now is now developing. So one way you want to develop your faith is your faith must be informed. Do you see that? Uh, the faith that a lot of people have taught us is first energetic. <laughs> shaking your head at an all-night prayer. Shaking, to, to, what event? To, to what event? What is in your head? What knowledge? As you're shaking the head, is there knowledge in the head? Does that make sense? Your head's going to fall off. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? The point here is your faith, for you to develop your faith, you must first feed your faith with information. And what is that information? That information is now even in the word right your information has to be accurate so you want to learn the new testament remember faith is not an emergency tool however it can be used in emergencies yeah. did you hear what i said faith is not an emergency tool. so if you have an emergency you can exercise faith mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like what we were talking about you know we're talking about um we're talking about zoe 
Yeah. Uh, I was saying that there are some things that are better than healing life. There are higher things in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You see that. Uh, I'd rather be healthy than get healed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather have living faith than emergency faith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on, did you hear what I said? <laughs> That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Yeah. I'd rather have faith to live than faith to escape. Yeah. Okay. So you want to make sure that your faith is first thing. From that, that means... That if you've never been through discipleship, for example, you can't sustain this faith. Yeah. Mm. So you want to understand the legal side, everything that God has done for you in Christ. That is how you start developing your faith. Now then, there are also other dynamics of, I think later we can cover that now, in terms of how we then exercise the faith. We talk about, often we talk about three sides to faith. We talk about um, uh, um, uh, conviction, okay, Remember, remember we talk about, yeah, faith is believing, that's conviction. Okay, we talk about um, uh, faith is pro confession, professing, and then action, corresponding action. She can enlighten us. She's a classic course oh, lecturer. So. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure that bit is on the classic course. It's on there. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, practically, um, in every situation, you, you definitely, I think Apostle has covered so much in terms of faith is not just something you muster up in the moment. If, you know, we watch um, a lot of films where maybe, for example, High School Musical, where all of a sudden people are singing and they every everybody knows the dance steps, something they've not rehearsed before. They just come together and just yeah, we know it, and we like that's not how it is with God. You have to spend time intentionally um, in His presence and in His Word. So you have to you have to be able to declare the word. And I think that's an element that we quite often forget about speaking. The scripture that first apostles quoted, um, if, you, if you say to a mountain, move, you know, Jesus is using this word, say, say, say. So faith does have to do a lot with what you say. That's right. Um, and not just, not just what you do, but also what you say, and not just what you think. Because sometimes um, we think that because we believe in our hearts, that that's sufficient, that okay, yeah, mm. in my heart, I be, but there has to be an expression of mm. it, um, and there has to be the speaking of it. You have to profess that faith. Even to come to Christ, you have to, you have to speak out and say, oh, I acknowledge I you and I believe yeah. that you're my Lord and my Savior. So how much more, um, if we are supposed to live by that faith, living by that faith also means, another dimension we can see it as, is the, spe the constant speaking and profession of it. The constant declaration of it, the constant um, uh, it not being far from your lips. You know, there are a lot of scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about, you know, let, let your word be on my lips. You know, um, or uh, you, there's so many references to that. So it's it's so important to um, to remember that a lot a lot faith has to do a lot with what you say. Sometimes we think that we it has to first change in our minds first before we say it yeah. but actually it's it, the the thing to do is to say it to change your mind to change your mind yeah. until you believe it yeah. and it's that continuity and that um resilience in constantly decreeing until your heart actually begins to agree and at, from that place you can then take the action the corresponding action which is already um let's say for example you're trusting god for for a new job because you believe that he's going to give you what you need, you already start applying. You're not saying, okay, I'm going to 
first believe first in my heart, oh, and then I would then act. Um, James talks about it, how um, there's, I think that he was making a reference on, um, show me your faith and I'll show you my deeds. I'm paraphrasing the scripture. So he was trying to say that you can't say you have faith and there's no action connected to it. So I think that's, um, that, yeah, those are the things I would like to say. I don't know if there's anything yeah. else. I think I wanted to quickly add to that. Um, those three elements of faith. The first one, conviction. The second one, um, profession. And the third one, corresponding action. Those are three elements in your faith. So conviction has to do with the heart. It has to do with believing. The Bible says with the heart, man believes. Does that make sense? The heart, man believes. So um, the heart, when it comes to faith, now we're dealing now with the dynamics. You see, we did the theory. But there is a dynamics. This is where, I don't want to mention some sects in the body of Christ. This is where they don't understand it. They just, they just yeah. no, there is, there is the how. There is the how you operate it. It's operative. It's not just operatable. Operatable. Yeah. Operative. So there is the conviction, which is it deals with the heart. So the heart man believes. So for example, let's say, now let's take a practical example. Let's say you're believing God for a, a job, a kingdom type job. Now, what you do is you take the promise into your heart. Does that make sense? Okay, because the heart is the, is the, is the, is the ground. It's the ground because faith is almost like preparing for harvest. Yeah. So you've got to sow into your heart conviction. Does that make sense? Right. With the heart, man, believe it. Then, speaking the word of God is like watering the seed in your heart. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? It's like the, the mouth is a machinery. <laughs> it's a tool do you see what i'm saying uh-huh so speaking though so that's that part then there is corresponding action yeah. so now if i believe i must take steps mm. and taking steps is often the place of harvest so those three elements the three yeah. <laughs> yeah the three the three elements yeah yeah um no thank you thank you so much for your contribution to the question um my next question is what can i do if i've exercised faith for a long time and i haven't seen manifestation Mine will be simple. Switch to thanksgiving. Yeah. And Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Just yeah. as the story I told. Remember the story I told yesterday of the person who had been prayed for by so many people, yet he had not received his healing. And then he realized that, no, if his prayer, we have prayed, God has heard us. Let's start thanking God. Yeah. So one of the ways you can strengthen that is and thanksgiving focuses you on God. And once you're focused on God, it might be that God has answered that prayer, but you haven't seen yeah. the answers. I would say Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, yeah another thing I, I wanted to bring out is that whole concept of believing you've received and then you will have. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus speaks about it a lot. And it's literally what Apostle is saying. You give thanks because you believe that you've already received and you believe that it's already been given to you. So already the concept of the question, the, con the construction of the question of syntax, mm -hmm. lets us know that the the person is still at a place where they are waiting for something to, to happen before they can believe that it's done. Mm. So that lets us know that it's important to first, Jesus said, first believe that you have received yeah. and then you yeah. will have. So that's how it works. That's another law um, in the kingdom of God. So you're, 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 you have to be expectant. Apostle taught on receiving. So we have to learn to receive. It's not just praying and exercising, but we need to know how to receive. No, um, that's really good. I really like the um, Thanksgiving part because I've actually got a testimony of when that actually happened. 
Um, so for those who don't know, it's actually a little secret that I keep hidden. It took me a very long time to pass my driving test. Um, I didn't take it. I took it multiple times. But now times. she drives out of Formula One <laughs> She's level. She's been driving for years. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, I took it multiple times, more than the average. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I remember during that season, I was in university, and I remember um, I was crying to my friend. I was like, Lord, <laughs> why? This is taking ages. Um, and then I just remember her saying, oh, let's just be thankful. So... I'm not going to lie for like, I don't know how long I was doing it for hours, just pacing up and down my small little flat. Um, and I was just praising God, expecting that I had um, had my driving license already. And one of the songs that came into my mind was Sinatch. Um, you know, I know who God says I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I was literally um, doing that, like, and dancing, like, you know, as they say, as David, David danced, yeah, literally. <laughs> Um, and I remember that morning um, of my driving lesson, the driving test, the day that I passed, I just praised God and said that, God, today is the day I'm going to take my driving license. Come on. Um, That's the attitude. That's yeah, good. to the glory of God, I passed about now eight, nine years ago. And yeah, it's just been an amazing journey. So um, I say that all to say Thanksgiving works. Yeah. Um, it really does work. And actually sometimes just believing that you've already got it from a thankful place yeah. um, allows you to walk in it even more graciously, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that's... yeah. One of the scriptures we looked at yesterday was Lazarus, mm. when Jesus went to raise him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that would have been the miracle you expect, that Jesus would bring out all the tongues, heaven mm. and earth. Will, you know, literally, he simply said, the prayer he prayed at the tomb of Lazarus is, wow. Father, I thank you because you hear me always, Lazarus, come out. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So that means Thanksgiving is crucial at the point of great faith. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, and one of the, well, the last question, it says, can you explain the concept of faith without works being dead? So can you explain the concept of faith without works being dead? Yeah. So this is, this is the thing. The Bible talks about how you know, um, the connection between the body and the spirit, basically, or it, it, the essence there of faith without works is this, is that your, your faith is lifeless without works. Yeah. That is what it is. Your faith has no expression without works. Mm -hmm. Okay. The works that accompany faith, they are the demonstration of true faith. They are the demonstration of true faith. So until I get my faith to a point where it is expressive, and that's why we talked about those three elements, conviction, profession. So I can, I, can have, I can say I have conviction. I can say I profess. But the real demonstration of my faith is when I begin to take steps. Remember, it's a walk. Yeah. Do you see that? It's when I begin to take steps. That, so for example, an example is this. is Okay, every point of faith requires corresponding action. God, yeah. every time God will give, read the scriptures, will tell someone something's going to do, he will often commit them to a cause of action, mm. right? Any faith that is not backed up by works is an irresponsible demonstration of faith. Mm. It's, it's, it's wishful thinking. Faith is not risk. Ah, we didn't touch that. <laughs> yeah, faith is not risk. It's the assurance of things up for, not the risk yeah. of it. Does that make sense? So every time, so for example, God would say, or to Abraham, okay, this is what I'm going to do. As far as your eyes can see, 
I will give you as far as your eyes can see. So God gets him to exercise his eyes, his sight, practically. Does that make sense? Because there, there, there are things that people do today. It's just because it's not. One of, one of my passions, sorry, I think I'm drifting a bit now. One of my passions for our generation is not to be too fast in speaking. Yeah. The reason is that there are a lot of things that we criticize the, the, those that have gone ahead of us for. We don't understand the revelation that caused them to do certain things. Mm. Does that make sense? Right? There are things that, are, that you can see in scriptures. God is, God is the master of using imagery to help people consolidate their faith. Mm. So he will show people things so that they can, they can hold on to their faith. Mm. So for example... He told, was it Joshua? Was it Abraham? You know, he told, he told Abraham, he said, what the length and the breadth of this land. Yeah. That's corresponding, so corresponding action. Corresponding action. Yeah. Every exercise of faith requires corresponding action mm. in that sense. Um, the same thing, he goes to Joshua and he tells him, you know, um, no one will be able to stand before you. He goes to Joshua and he says, hey, I will, I will, I will, I will give you this land. You find God every time he's trying to provoke a level of action with his word so one of the things one of the phrases that we can use is this if this faith is action faith so i say action faith action faith. Someone say action faith action yeah faith. bible faith is action faith someone say bible faith bible faith is action faith exactly so it is not bible faith until we're doing something with it does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, and um, I, I really liked what Apostle said because um, this is really about corresponding action. This is what this question, in essence, is about. Um, you know, the, the question is asking, obviously, why is it dead? And let's just flip it this other way. Imagine when God said, I'm going to, I've given you Jericho. Mm. Um, and the people who received that word, dingo. Yeah. Mm. Would have Jericho, would have the walls fallen down? We don't. We saying, don't. I have Jericho. I have Jericho. I <laughs> and you can just blow. Yeah, I've got Jericho. I've got Jericho. Yeah, I'm like that's, that's break. great. <laughs> you can you can praise, praise break all over the place. Do anything, but if you don't actually go, it's not going to come down. Yeah. And I, and I think that word dead also means. Um, I know the Bible. This is a scripture I'm going to use in a different way. The Bible talks about how Sarah's womb was dead. Mm. In essence, what it's saying is that. Um, it wasn't fruitful. Mm -hmm. So that word dead also means something not being fruitful or productive. Yeah. So there have to be results that come with it. So we can't say, oh, I believe, I believe, oh yeah, it's giving me Jericho, it's giving me Jericho. But then if you don't go and walk around Jericho, it's not going to, it's not going to fall. You know, the walls are not going to fall down. The same thing when the Israelites, um, when the land of Canaan was to be given to them, if they didn't go practically and physically to the land, mm -hmm that's not going to happen. Yeah. So you cannot, and that's what James was talking about. I think it's James. James, yeah. 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 He's not, he's saying you cannot isolate the faith from action. You can't do that. It has to come together. And I think the question you need to ask ourselves is, if we don't take action, is anything going to happen? Mm -hmm. And the truth is nothing. And the pro produce or the product will come into fruition. And yeah. that's what makes it dead. Yeah, there's some other important things we could also look at in terms of examples. So let's look at biblical examples. For example, corresponding action for Abraham was changing his name. Yeah. Do you see that? God said, God said, okay, you're going to become the father of many nations. I want you to change your name from Abraham, Abraham to Abraham. Abraham means um, um, assumed father. I think it means assumed father. 
and he changed his name from assumed father to father of many nations. See, that's corresponding action. So that means at every point we're praying about something, we have to find the instructions from the Spirit of God. What is the corresponding action I need to take that consolidates my faith in this area? But that's why our life must be about taking actions constantly. Amen. Sorry, just had a quick joke. Um, those of you that did classic course, we had um, some questions, uh, scenario questions on faith. One of them was, um, the scenario was um, a lady who's trusting God to, to ma get married. And she changed her status on Facebook to marry. Please don't do that. That's counterproductive. They'll think so about it. So please don't do that. So that's an example of, yeah, things that, it's not just any action. It has to be led by the Spirit. That's a good just one. Just please don't go and change your yeah, name. Yeah, please don't do think, that. Uh, or anyway. buy a ring and start wearing it, please. And please I dealt with a bit of a situation like that where the person put engaged or married and they were not married in the name of faith. Now, faith and wisdom are side by side. Yeah. <laughs> Do That's you understand so what I'm saying to you? Faith, you have to balance it. If you're not married and you put your married, the people that are supposed to come to you, and that's all these things you do. You put the ring on the finger that you're not supposed to put it on in the name of Jesus. Stop. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't take me seriously. Yeah. Amen. But yeah, that was it really. Um, just, just to remind us that, you know, we need to exercise wisdom as well. Yeah. Um, so that's actually the conclusion of the questions that I have. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to take questions from the house now. How do we find that? Was that helpful? Awesome. Awesome. God bless your online family. God bless you as well. Okay, so we want to take questions. We're going to take the next few minutes to take questions. We'll do it as quick as we can. But um, please, so get the house a mic, um, anyone, so that we can pass you around. And then online, please, can you, Cynthia, can you put the Slido link? Is that okay um, from the week? Is, still, is it still active? The slider link online. So please try and get your questions to us as soon as possible. And these questions are on things we've spoken about now or throughout School of Prayer. We didn't have much of an opportunity to do uh, Q&A. I'm going to have to find a way to come back to sort that out, um, whether it's through podcasts. I'm owing a lot of podcasts. I don't want to commit to too many anymore. I feel like I had... Uh, do you remember them all, though? <laughs> I don't remember them. I know there was one a few weeks ago. There was one on relationships. Yeah, relationships, the questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the relationships one. So that's the one. Okay. So we're going to take questions. The the Slido link for those that are online is going to be posted. Um, but those are in house if you want. To, but also in house if you feel your question is so sensitive, you can ask it anonymously on Slido. So questions. Any questions? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I have three questions. Okay. Um, so I think yesterday when you were, when you were, um, teaching on, yeah. um, asking, yeah. basically, I think you, you did say that you can't just ask and then leave it, but mm -hmm. it has to follow, yeah. like there has to be action involved, yeah. like do something to show that you're interested in what you're asking for yeah. and which kind of is kind of linked to the faith that is being discussed right now, yeah. like faith with action. Um, so my question is, my first question will be, what's the difference between, um, I mean, that kind of asking where you're adding action to it, it's kind of like you're seeking. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference between the two? And then the next one, which is kind of similar to the first, is what's the difference between asking, seeking, and knocking? Okay. And then my last question will be, um, in terms of faith and walking in faith, that's everything have to be aligned in your life to make it work so example 
um, if you're not exactly living a sanctified life, mm-hmm. you know, would faith still work for you? Or And that's just one example. But then obviously there are many instructions in the Bible. Does every one of them have to be ticked for your faith to work? Or could you just exercise about these, these amazing questions. Please, could you repeat the first one again? Um, so the first question is about um, asking, okay, let's, I'll merge the first and the second. So what's okay. the difference between asking, seeking, and knocking? Okay, the difference in asking, seeking, and knocking. I think that those, those concepts are, are related in that sense, very much related. I think Jesus is talking mostly about the same thing, but I guess kind of different angles. So I think, yes, I was explaining that. Um, a part of asking, okay, is um, is searching. Does that does that make sense? I heard recently someone said we don't seek God anymore. I'm like, all these people that just wake up and turn on a camera. Does that what do you mean we don't seek God? We have to seek God. Does that make sense? So my thing is that on on asking a part of asking is this is because my mind is so fixated on talking to God about something. I have to expand and expose my mind in that particular area or those areas of my life to how does God operate in that area? Because what I want to learn to do is how to receive. Because I have asked God for something, but do I know how God usually answers it? So, so let me give you an example. It's like, imagine a, a, a baby Christian who doesn't know that it's not every time God wants to speak to you that he appears to you. There are times when he will send people to you. But some might be waiting for a higher sign, like an angel. Do you see what I'm saying? So seeking is, I I call seeking almost like exposing yourself in spiritual research to the dealings of God in that area so that you're able to identify the move of God when it happens in that sense. So that is, so let's say, for example, let's say, okay, someone is believing God for healing. All right. It's good to pray for healing, but it's important to know how does God heal? There are many ways he heals. Number one is through his word. He sent his word and he healed their disease. Another way is through the prayer of faith. Okay. Which the pray, the church can pray together. The Bible says, let the elders anoint anyone we seek with. And the prayer of faith is mostly read about the prayer of faith shall save, shall, shall heal the sick. Can you see that? That's another way. So through presbytery, um, through presbytery, you know, what I mean by that is that through leaders ministering on the altar, elders, healing can be administered. But then there is another mystery as well. Another mystery is through ministry gifts. You see, through ministry, there are gifts of healing. Does that make sense? There is that. But then there's a mystery of what communion represents. Does that make sense? Because according to 1 Corinthians, if not discerning the Lord's body can kill, Descending the Lord's body can preserve. Do you see that? So that's why my asking must be informed. My asking must not be irresponsible. Oh, I want this and I leave it. No, the research is actually, and it's in the, thank you so much for that question, David. It's it's in the research area that my faith actually begins to grow. Does that make sense? And at that point, I make God where he is. So asking, seeking, that's research. Now, knocking deals with persistence. That's it. Knocking deals with persistence. Jesus gave importunity in prayer. Please again, um, go back to, I'm not trying to promote, but go back to (laughs) the dynamics of prayer. (laughs) All right. Importunity in prayer. Knocking deals with, there are some things, the only way to change them is this. Persistence wears out resistance. 
Persistence. Where's our resistance? Where's our resistance? That's it. So there's some things. So faith also has an attitude. See, has an so those are the things. So asking, making your request known, seeking, exposing yourself to spiritual intelligence and research. There are times that God wants to give us things, but our spiritual bandwidth has not matched what He wants to do. Does that make sense? And then knocking is about persistence. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Okay. And then the other question. Hello. Yeah. If everything has to be aligned for your faith to work so um that's the instructions in the bible for us to do so example if um, i spoke about sanctification or if not that let's say even the, um, the great commission to go out and to evangelize if you're not evangelizing would faith still work or the bible says seek ye first the kingdom of god if you're not seeking the kingdom of god first and then you want to exercise faith would that still work or does everything have to be aligned for faith to work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pastor, you want to show on that? Any thoughts? Okay, I'll go first and yeah. then, okay. All right. So now the question David is asking is this, is that does my entire spiritual life need, need to come together for me to get my faith working? Now, it's very possible to get little results in God without working with God. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think that's very important. As part of the nature of the Father, the Bible says he makes it rain both on the just and the unjust. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. So living faith is not emergency faith. Mm. Live, someone say living faith. Living faith. It's not emergency faith. Not Are we following now? Faith. So as a result of that, um, in one sense, you know, someone can go to God and, and apply certain principles that out of the mercy of God, they get solutions for what they're looking for. But when it comes to inheritance, there has to be compliance. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? When it comes to inheritance, there has to so the more and, and but when I when I say this now, I want to balance what I'm saying very well, right? God's vision for us is to live righteously and holy. Yes. Okay. God's method of getting us there is to transform us. Yes. So I say God's vision, God's vision is to live righteously and holy. God's method is to transform us. So that means every one of us on this journey of inheritance will be transformed. Mm -hmm. Paul says in Acts 20, he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. So every one of us will become mature. And the more mature we are, is the more we're able to walk in inheritance. And we have to distinguish between living from inheritance and getting occasional results from God. So yeah. to answer your question, is it possible to live an unholy life or not, not fulfill other aspects of scripture and to get results? Yes, to an extent. But if we want to walk in the fullness of inheritance, we must grow up as God's heir. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. No, just to good. quickly add as well, um, um, that's the angle I wanted to bring in earlier on. Um, I would like to encourage everybody to, I, I'm not sure if you has, have this on YouTube, the, the diving on the stages of sonship, or was it on Zoom? The five stages of sonship, yeah. we, we have it on Zoom, yeah. Okay, it's probably on Zoom. But for those of you that um, did the five stages of sonship um, in diving, I think that was uh, round about, sub, I think it was at the beginning of this year, end of last year, we talked about the different stages of sonship that you have when you come to Christ. And one of them is um, 
nipios, which means baby, when you first come across your baby. Mm -hmm. Then there's pedion, which is a child. Then you have um, um, technon, which is a teenager. Then you have neoniscus, who is a young person in the faith. Um, and then you also have uh, yos, which means son, a very mature son. Mm -hmm. So God makes allowances for every level that you're at. Yeah. So he, he understands that if you're at a um, nipios phase, which is baby phase, he knows that you won't know every single thing that there is to know at that phase. But your faith is still being active. You still believe that, okay, God is there. Things are still happening. But like Apostle said, when you want to get to the inheritance level, you know, as long as you're a child, you know, an heir, as long as it's a child, they're under tutors, they're under um, people that will mentor them. And then when they're mature fully, yeah. they can take hold of the complete inheritance. So God has a, I don't want to use, is there a word instrumental way that he also deals with us as well? Yeah. So he's not waiting for us to become uh, mature sons before our faith can now start being active or we can now start seeing results. Yes, you see some results when you're younger, but that's in, in the faith. But when you, as you're mature, you know how the ways of God work, mm -hmm. how he functions, you know how to deliberately um, you know, exercise your faith. You know the things that he's promised. Yeah. So at that point, you are um, so what's the word? You are um, exhibiting more of his traits and characteristics in faith. You are relying so much more on faith. Faith is actually so natural, so normal to you yeah. at that point. Yeah. Everything you do is, I mean, Jesus is an example. Lazarus, he said, thank you, Father, because you have always answered me. All, that's all he said. And then Lazarus came forth. So it's just to remember that God sees our development as a parent that he is, as a father that he is. He sees us. It takes us from level to level, phase to phase. And our faith is growing and developing as we are going from one level to the next. No, yeah, I think that's um, very key. And just to add, um, just as both of you were speaking, the word transformation came into my mind. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about, um, as it says in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, do not be conformed by the things of this world will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So faith is more than just seeing results, it's being transformed into his image. And yeah, I think that's, that's the I kind like of that. stance that we should look on. It's not just about, okay, I'm gonna use my faith and get results momentarily. It's actually like, I'm going to live in faith that's so it. I could get results for a lifetime. Yeah. So I think when we look at it from that stance, it's, it's more than just, oh, I need to make sure that, you know, I read my Bible, I pray every day, da da da, da. It, it goes beyond that. This is a lifestyle thing. So it's more about living in faith than just using faith momentarily. So that's just one thing I wanted to add. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you clear the question? Yeah. I think it's yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Next question. I know we have some questions online. Please pass this and you can get that ready for us. But next question in-house. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. Uh, I'm thinking of how I can word word this question. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned um, faith being the beginning of you know of when you are saved. Yeah. In other words, and and in and in saying that, you said of course that um, God gives us the faith at birth. Yeah. Um, you know, so this is kind of like a double barrel question. Um, so the question is, you know, you know, once we, you know, we have faith and it's been given to us and it is, of course, you know, the journey of the believer, of course, you know, from the beginning um, of faith. Can faith then 
The same way God, God, you know, gives us faith. As a believer, are we, do we have the capacity to transfer faith? Is faith transferable, in other words? Um, can it be transferred? And I'm talking about it in, in the sense, in the lens of impartation. Um, and what, what are the ways in which that can happen, um, according to scripture? Um, yeah, that's the question. Yeah, that's that's a course. That's a Bible course. <laughs> that's a Bible course. But but that's an amazing question. Now, can faith be transferred? I think we need to understand when we talk about faith, there are many different angles to it. For example, there is the uh, the First Corinthians twelve mention of the gift of faith, yeah. which is under the, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In that sense, all right. So now we can transfer our personal relationship with God, that yeah. element of faith. Yeah. Does that make sense? But in a circumstance, we can transfer the dynamics of faith and the anointing. Yeah. Does that make sense? But so someone can experience, someone can come into our presence or we can come, come into a place and atmospherically, we can cause a, uh, you know, by the help of the Holy Spirit, a, a level of impartation and impact. Mm -hmm. But now, for that to continue, it has to be sustained by revelation. Right. And that's what happens in church gatherings, in conferences. Hey, we're going to take the nations. Afterwards, it's like back to normal, right? The sustaining power is the, is the, is the revelation element. Now, however, there, there's some things, though, I feel in ministry that can be transferred. But these things have principles. Yeah. Um, so, so things that are connected to anointing. So let's say, for example, let's say the gift of faith. I think that can be... Now, what is the gift of faith? The gift of faith is not the entire work of faith. Mm -hmm. The gift of faith is the supernatural faith that, that one experiences um, um, when ministering, especially to do with, um, you know, making audacious decisions, decisive decisions. Actually, you'd often see the gift of faith in partnership with the working of miracles. Mm -hmm. Because in many cases, the miracles that need to be worked are out of the mind. But the people that have that gift, they're just drunk in that moment. They're just, yeah. It's like a, they don't even think. So someone that clearly had that gift of faith was, was Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. Because the guy picks up a dead person and says, you will leave. Picks yeah. The person sleeps and says, you will leave. That, that, there's a work in there. Now, I think that, I actually think that that can be transferred. Mm. And it is record. Now, don't shoot the message. That's why... Please, let's not spend time criticizing everything that happens, especially in this, yeah. in this area of faith. It, it, it is said, that I think I heard this one, that it feels like what was on Wigglesworth rubbed off on Kenneth Hagen. Mm. Does that make sense? Now, I understand, you know, what the faith movement, excesses and all of that stuff, you know, money, I agree. But don't, don't throw everything out. Yeah. Take what you need to take. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Take what you need to take, and then that's how I did it. Does that make sense? In the word of faith, I looked at when God sent people to teach faith, what was he trying to teach them? How to relate with him? Yes. So I took those principles, then all the principles on, um, you know, meet, so easy to meet a need and those rubbish, I just threw them out, basically. But I took what I needed. And it, it, is, it is said that it felt like something from Wigglesworth rubbed off on Kenneth, Kenneth Hagen. Mm -hmm. So now, 
the dynamics of how now my personal conviction i cannot transfer yeah right i cannot transfer my, my i can't transfer my work with god working with god is personal but there are operations someone say operations Operation. yeah operations of god and the graces that govern those operations those can be transferred there are there are um there are principles for that one of those principles is followership yeah and discipleship so if for example I identify a ministry gift that God is using in an area and I constantly listen to their messages and I watch them. At some point, something will rub off on me. Do you see that? So we must distinguish that. So ministry graces can be transferred, but relationship cannot be transferred. I hope I've answered your question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, I think Iman still has a oh, question. Sorry. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so I'm just going to go to the questions on slide. Does anyone in our still have any questions? Oh. Let us know. Okay, so we've identified that. Anyone else? Two. Okay. All right, so we have two. Who's that? Philippa, three. Okay, so we'll take the online questions and come to the in-house. Four. Okay. Okay, so um, this is, I believe this person's based it on day one. Um, how do you go about developing holy curiosity in your day-to-day? -day? Yeah, holy curiosity. Um, so, how so, do you go about um, developing holy curiosity in your day to day? I think, I think the answer is is not. I, I, I well, it's simple. is is simple in the sense that um, the more you discover about God, the more you would want to know about Him. Mm. So, the key thing is to put yourself in a place where you're constantly exposing yourself to the word of god yeah um that could be either by playing it it could be there are different ways you know start reading books reading the bible reading topics looking at breadth as well reading multiple topics in the bible i mean we through systematic theology you know that there are different um um how do you call them? The different um, aspects genres. or genres yeah. or segments or sections that you can study. For example, you can decide to do a study on the holiness of God across scripture. Yes. You can just study that from the beginning um, you know, till the end. And it's that thing of even engaging your thoughts um, as, as, you're, as you're going through your daily life and thoughts come into your mind, kind of having an inquiring heart as well. Yeah, so like for me yeah. personally, how it works for me practically is that, yes, I do read my Bible, which is fine. Yeah. But there are times where, for example, I see something and I'm like, oh, what does, what is the symbol, like what does this number symbolize in the Bible? I just go and research it. And I'm like, oh yeah, the Bible says this. Or what does, um, what does um, um, the Bible say about love? Or what does the Bible say about, it could be anything, food you'll be shocked like the symbolisms of food in the bible and you just think oh there's nothing there there's nothing special there it's just ah it's just about jesus walking up and down and there's nothing else but mm -hmm. actually it's engage you also have to intentionally engage your mind like think deeper like okay i read this what does that mean oh i wonder if this is possible i wonder if that can be done if this is what this person did could it be done this way? Yeah. So it's like using, like also engaging your mind as you're reading. It's not just, I'm just taking the information and that's it and that's, that's all there is. And thinking about breadth, like I said, different aspects, 
different things that the Bible says, exposing yourself to different topics that exist just so that the more you know about him, the more you will um, want to know. And even, um, I think the last thing I would also say is, for example, let's say you've had certain encounters or experiences with God, doing studies in that, mm. studying about it. I don't just like to, if I've had a dream or if I've had a revelation, I don't just like to sit there and be like, oh, mm. that's what it means. Yeah. My first go-to always, if I've dreamt something or seen something, I will research, I'll be like, what does the Bible say about um, eagles? If I see an eagle, what does the Bible say about this? What is Google is there. You find everything there, all the scriptures, and then it would isolate all the scriptures for you. I would look through all of the scriptures one by one, one by one. Look at, okay, what's the pattern between these scriptures? What, what is this saying? Are there books on this topic? Are there messages on this topic? That's how you grow in curiosity. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I will just add um, prayer. Prayer helps you grow in curiosity. I love um prayer because it's very inspiring it, like it's we're talking about communion with god it's an opportunity to just take some time out within your day and one thing that i'll definitely encourage people to do is not just pray in the morning or in the evening but pray in segments throughout your day that helps you develop a curiosity um prayer is essentially communicating to god but it's also receiving from god meditating on the word um, it's so amazing what one scripture, one verse could do. Um, I've heard people like literally depict just one verse um, and literally breaking it down and living in it. Like I've always said, like, you know, the Bible that I know, at least let me walk in it. You That's know, there's important. one thing to That's know important. the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, but not walk in it. The reality is some theologians, you know, they know the Bible, but they don't believe in God. So they're not That's experiencing right. the power of God. So when I think about it, I think, okay, the Bible that you know, the, um, you know, the scriptures and stuff is all about God. Everything in the Bible is about knowing God, knowing him better. And I think what helps you develop that holy curiosity is living the word of God. Right. So, you know, taking scripture and actually walking in it, practicing in it. You know, like, what does the Bible say about certain things in your life? How can I see that results? And the more you declare through prayer, the more you um, just inspire change. Because truly speaking, you will be a living testimony of everything that is being explored in the Bible. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. One more thing I'll just say is that develop it, developing, uh, um, okay, put it this way, develop a heart of, of um, increasing by asking questions. Yeah. Ask questions a lot. Does that make sense? Never miss the opportunity to ask questions. Ask God questions. Ask people questions. Ask fellow believer questions. Like become, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be on a mission to ask questions yeah. and you, you will find. It's seeking. Yeah, it's seeking. seeking. Yeah. Um, so the next question is how to avoid our faith, actions, faith, from becoming a thing of taking in charge of a situation? Taking charge of a situation. So how to avoid our faith? Actions faith from becoming a thing of taking charge of a situation. I think I think this person's saying taking charge of a situation by themselves. Yeah, trying to control the situation. Okay. So basically, how do you ensure that you're not just taking charge of a situation? 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think the simplicity here is, again, that's the difference between emergency faith and the faith that we live by. Yeah. Emergency faith is situation focused. Mm. The faith that we live by is lifetime focused, which yeah. means the Holy Spirit is coaching us mm. and teaching us into how to live correctly. Yeah. So if I'm raised in that faith of the Son of God, essentially, I learn not to I learn not to do things without God. That's the simplicity of the matter. Yes. It's communion-based faith, the faith that pleases God, Hebrews 11.6. Definitely. I think the quick thing I'll just say is that you have to be led by the Spirit. Um, you can't just take any action. You have to ask the Lord, okay, engage with Him in prayer. What shall I do? What, do you, what would you want me to do? How would you like me to go about this? And God, in His infinite wisdom, will speak and He'll give you direction. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's all on Slido. Right, questions. Okay. So let's let's quickly do that in-house questions. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um. Well, um, I'm gonna exercise faith here because I picked up on some key words, okay. um, and I feel like there is a connection and there is something behind it, but I haven't yet formulated my question properly. But I'm gonna go in faith. So. Sure. Um, God will supply. Amen. So, yes. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so there are three key notes I made from what what was been heard. So one of them is uh, obviously Jesus said, "Believe and have," right? That's that's the key. And then um, Lady Jesus said, "Sorry, believe and have." Believe you have received. Okay, yeah, yeah, believe and yeah, yeah. Okay. and you will have it. Um, and then Lady B said, um, "Learn to receive." At one point, and Apostle said it before as well, but it's just, yeah. And then um, Apostle said yesterday and today, Minister uh, Pastor Tinu just summarized, desires are gates, mm-hmm. right? So these three things. So as I was sitting on it and meditating, um, I understood that desires, desires in us are like fertile soil. And then learning to receive is like the cultivation of that soil. So I don't have the question, but I just want to see what what do you what do you receive about this? Like how do you how do you explain the connection between these? Does it make any sense? So the the original like the whole thing came from believing and receiving it. So you will have it. Mm. So if you believe, you will have it. And then you said to have it you have to learn how to receive it, yeah. right? And then um, Apostle said that, yes, God can use our desires. Of course, the enemy can uh, ma- manipulate it as well, but God can use the desires. So I imagine this as farming, right? And then the soil is the desire in us, which is already in us. Mm-hmm. So it's already available, it's a resource. Mm-hmm. And then um, learning to have it is like cultivating that soil yeah does it yeah. make any sense yeah it makes sense i think the question she's she's elaborating on is that whole process of believing to receive and you shall have mm. based and to just go back over that again jesus said in mark 11 whatever things you pray about believe you have received and you shall have receiving comes before having yeah right the question is what is receiving okay the bible says yeah exactly what is receiving now receiving happens at the, with the heart Jesus said, believe you have received and you shall have. The place of believing is the heart. How do we know that? According to Romans 10, with the heart, man believes. So a lot happens with the heart when I pray. So we used used an amazing example, Christina, the example of agriculture and 
farming. So which is, you know, think of, think of the soil as the heart. How do we know this? In the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, Jesus said that a man went to sow seeds. And the Bible says that he sowed some on good ground, on rocky ground, and different kinds of grounds. And when Jesus explained to us, he said the ground was the heart. Someone said the ground is the heart. The ground is the, the heart. The ground is always the heart. Okay, so the place of receiving is also the place of believing, which is the heart. So believe that you have received. So what happens in the heart is, is you sow seeds, okay? Seeds of the word of God, seeds of the promises of God. You sow prayer seeds, all right? And then in the heart also you are, you are watering. Having is harvesting. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. Having is harvesting, mm -hmm. okay? Okay, having is harvesting. That, that's what it is. So when you pray, you've sown, you've, you, you've received, Okay, receiving is the process of the soil, um, the seed germinating yes. and growing into the ground. All right, and that's the whole process. Having is harvesting. Yeah. So a farmer who has sown seed in the right conditions, in the right climate, in the right, on the right soil and everything, can go away expecting harvest to come at a certain time. Mm. And they don't, need, they don't need harvest to be physical before they start looking forward to something. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. But a farmer who has not sown any seed into the ground and is waiting for harvest is a funny person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that that is that dynamic. So how do we practice, practice that? So we want to, let's say we have a faith project. Let's say, let's, you know, I can maybe set us faith projects, areas we want to change in our lives, things we want to see God do. Yeah, we set faith. Should we set faith projects? Yeah. You, it would amaze you. When we set faith projects, we realize that God was always waiting for us. Yeah. Yeah, so we can set a faith project and say, okay, this area of my life, I want to see change. So what do I need now? I first need seed. Does that make sense? So I'm going to stock up on seed, and boy, he gives seed to the sower. <laughs> so I'm going to stock up on seed. Seed is revelation. Seed is the word. So I'm getting as much seed, and then I'm sowing that seed into my heart now. How? By meditation. I'm meditating on the word. That's the seed. Then I'm now watering that seed by an, a more advanced form of meditation, which is the word of God on my mouth. That's like watering because the word is water. You see that? There is a technology to these things. It's not random. That's why faith is workable, right? So now, then I must have a time of harvest. Now, uh, I, I, I was dealing with something with a group that I have, and I need to go back to this. There's one key principle in harvest is joy. Yeah, you harvest with joy. The Bible talks about you have multiplied the nation as with the joy of harvest. So there is a, at harvest level, you can't be sorrowful, you will miss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where many of us find ourselves, we don't realize that increased pressure, increased depression, all of these things are the enemy's tactics because it's harvest season. So if you can invoke praise and thanksgiving, you will see results. You, you realize that it's harvest. Let me know. This is all. Faith is a whole different. <laughs> but I hope I've been able to answer your question. Yeah, you get the systematic element of it. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, no, I don't. I think the key thing I would just say is that, just quickly, is that it starts with a desire. Desire is what will drive you to even start sowing the seed. Um, you know, the word of God stocking up on it. And it's what is going to even carry you through in that process of watering and even receiving the, the harvest. You know, God often puts 
certain desires in our hearts so that we can now start taking the necessary steps that are relevant. Neymar is an example. I mean, he, he started getting upset or you know, disheartened or unhappy about the fact that the, the, the walls were not built, you know, everything was in ruins. Um, the Israelites in, were in exile and everything in terms of the temple and all that stuff was in a good place. So that already, something got sparked inside of him. And that's why Apostle said one of the reasons why it's a gate, desires a gate supporters is because they actually channel us to, God puts them in our heart and God, um, these are things that channel us to actually start taking steps in the direction of God. Hannah is another example. She had a desire for a child. Yes, in the process, God had to tweak the the why, but the desire wasn't wrong. It was very correct. Yeah. And that's what pushed her to now start praying to God and start like constantly decreeing, you know, seeking God for it, believing him for it every day, nonstop until the answer came. So, um, yeah, this is how, because I know you mentioned desire at the end. So that's yeah. how we, I believe it comes in as well. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Next um, question in house. Yes. Um, so my question roughly is going to cover, it's going to be about unbelief, the gift of faith, the working of miracles yeah. and the place of prayer and fasting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, part of scripture, I think helps me capture all of it is in Matthew where there was an epileptic boy that the disciples of Jesus had tried to heal, but they couldn't. And I mean, the boy was later brought to Jesus and Jesus casted the devil out and the child was cured. Bible says that very hour. And then the disciples were like, why couldn't we heal the boy? And um, Jesus said to them because of their unbelief. So first part of the question there is what did the disciples lack? What was, what was lacking in their belief? Is it that they didn't, I don't want to qualify it. What did they not have in that? Like, what was unbelief for them? What counted as unbelief for the disciples in that moment? Um, because Jesus obviously went on to talk about having faith as small as a mustard seed. Um, and that's where he also talked about the, you know, faith to move a mountain. Um, and that's where the other part of my question comes in with the gift of faith. Because um, how, I think the question is, with the gift of faith and the working of miracles, how do those things marry, right? Um, so it's like, I think you said it earlier that people who have the gift of faith, it's almost like they express it unconsciously. It's almost like they're, they're drunk in it, drunk with, drunk in it. They don't really even think about, whoa, this is a massive thing I'm about to do. Yeah. The gift is just expressed. So it's like, what's that connection between the gift of faith and the working of miracles? Because um, I think in my mind is, how do you have... Um, how do you have faith for the impossible without the impossible making itself revealed in your mind as something that's impossible? Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you just express faith to do something without even conceptualizing the impossibility of it? Like with Smith Wigglesworth and his ability to raise the dead. For him, that's a, that's a, I mean, in the moment, he's not thinking, ooh, I'm about to raise the dead, yeah. right? Um, so how do you almost have faith for the impossible without even seeing it as impossible? Yeah. Right? So the gift of faith, how it intersects with the working of miracles. And then finally, the place of prayer and fasting in all this, because Jesus obviously said unbelief was the problem. Yeah. And it seemed like the cure for unbelief is prayer and fasting. Yeah. But at the same time, he didn't really, at least from this passage, he didn't really say specifically what their unbelief was in. Like yeah. 
how their unbelief hindered the, yeah. their prayer or hindered their ability to you know express the gift of faith and then yeah. work miracles so that's my question i don't know if it's yeah, yeah. so the first one thank you jim rather brilliant question the first one is jesus was trying to say that you have more capacity you're capable of more but because you haven't developed that capacity you're not seeing the results that's all he was saying that this thing is in you you can do it but because so the prayer and fasting there is spiritual exercise does that make sense it's almost like someone who is ca- capable of carrying more weights but because they've they're not able to carry they've not they've not cultivated it then one day something happens they need to carry the weight to get out of trouble then they can't carry it. does that make sense what Jesus is trying to say is that prayer and fasting which is spiritual exercise will help you strengthen your faith constantly yeah so just quickly um okay i i i understand it but it's the fact that he then described that as unbelief you know because mm-hmm. i feel like to us unbelief is like oh you know i don't believe this that, 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 that. like that doubt in that sense yeah but does it then mean that unbelief it's also the unbelief is also a lack of development yeah unbelief can mean that one is spiritually rusty does that make sense is that one is not spiritually fit in that sense because you you, you it, what jesus is saying is it's not that they didn't have faith it's just that they just not exercise there. Then they're trying to exercise it in the moment. What they could not do was a product of their lack of furtherance in development. That was that's what he was saying. So does then that link back to what Lady was saying with the um, five stages of sonship? It's like um, a pedon trying to express something that's more in Yaniska's level? Is, it, is that sort of how it can be visualized? The, the interesting thing there is that that, that doesn't really do with five stages of sonship, circumstantially, because that's dealing with a circumstance. Does that make sense? Um, even as baby Christians, we can walk in miracles. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? So you can find someone who they're not yet mature in character, but they've developed the power side. Does that make sense? And they've just developed it by prayer and fasting. They don't understand all the revelation, the doctrine, the theology, the Hebrew, the Hebrew, all that stuff. But what they understand is that, okay, I'm going to cultivate and build this side of me. And consequently, they made things. Because you have to understand is that in God, there are different, there are different angles. Just be, one, I have to essentially, it's almost that there are different curriculums in God. Just because I study one subject doesn't compensate for the other. Does that make sense? So if, if, for example, I don't know, let's say in a particular course, let's say in law, you have your contract law, you have, what else? You have family law, property you have law, property law and things like that. Property. If I choose to study, if, I, if I'm doing five models, okay, and I choose to study contract, property, um, criminal, law, yeah. criminal law, and I ignore the other part, the law that I study is the law that I would do well in. Same thing with the things of the spirit. The areas that I give myself to in studying the things of the spirit is the areas I will manifest. I hope that makes sense. But to summarize that question, which is an amazing question, I think what the Lord Jesus is just doing there is just showing them that you guys, the, if you were most, if you were fitter spiritually, right, you would have been able to actually handle this. That was what, and that's why prayer and fasting was the key because they had faith. Remember, faith is given to us. I hope that makes sense. Now, as to the your other question, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on. As to the other question on the combination, please can you summarize that part on the on the on the gifts? Yeah, the gift of faith. And How's everyone in the house doing? Yeah, don't worry, we're going to have food soon. So thank you for your patience. So it was the, the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was that, that whole element of the gift of faith is like a 
it's like a seamless expression. Yeah. You have faith for the impossible without really fixating on the fact that this is an impossible thing. Yeah. So it's like, how does that work and how does that now lead to the working of miracles? The working of miracles. When we understand the Nigis, Rivers Institute, next year. Amen. Amen. We understand the Nigis or the Spirit of God, they work together. It's the same way, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, um, and what do we call it now? So we talk about the, the, the prophetic, the, yeah. Yeah, what, what, of, what of knowledge, what of wisdom, prophecy, the way they can work together, or discerning of spirits right now. So, for example, this is a combination of word of knowledge. Now, for example, I can... Now, there's some things I want to be mindful how I teach it because I don't want people um, essentially... Oh, let there be light. Glory. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, word of knowledge. Just make sure on the camera is fine, please. Okay, so what of, what of knowledge, for example, is this is... You know, I can look at Lady B now, and in looking at her, I can pick up a, a, a present fact about her life or something that happened in her life. Does that make sense? See, word of knowledge often, now, is not, please hear this, it is not sentence of knowledge. It is not volume of knowledge. Because some people, they, the, the reason why people go into error in the prophetic is, they give over information as if it's the Bible. It's word. So it's a word. <laughs> Very important word. So I can do, do that. And, 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 and these things are easy. When, when we cultivate fellowship, I think I was doing that demonstration with you and Flo the other day. We had a meeting. I was trying to show them that. And then I shut my eyes. And I just, you know, I just took out what was there. And I said this, this, and the other now. But I didn't go into description because the Holy Spirit now did not now give me elaborative description i just said i think i said to Flo, i was like fasting i said what is i said was i was at work i said yeah i was thinking about fasting this morning does that make sense now that's just on exercise they they they're prophetic utterances that come in a service now that's very different does that make sense all right and we have to be careful because i i know some prophets who say oh i can prophesy anytime on demand wow. i don't know yes but you, you are, there's jurisdiction. Ability is not legality. We have to handle that separately. So that's word of knowledge. Word of wisdom often deals with God's solutions for the future. So word of knowledge and word of wisdom work together because with word of knowledge, I'm able to pre, I'm able to pick up past situations, current situations. Word of wisdom is the is the prophetic revelation of God's strategy to solve those things together. Do you see how that how how how, how it is? Now, when it comes to um, the so now the gifts of healing and sorry the gift of faith and and the working of miracles again that same combination happens. The ability to work the miracle more has to do with the strategy that's needed. Now there is a oh, you guys have now opened the whole thing up. Now there's a difference between the between a healing in one sense and a miracle. Can I explain that to you? Okay. Now, healing is mostly restorative. Miracles are mostly creative. Do you see that? Healings are mostly restorative. Healing is restoring someone back to what, you know, they would have been. But miracles, so for example, one of, one of the, the, the working of miracles that Jesus did was the guy who was, not, was born without eyes. Remember, remember the guy, that guy's situation? Uh-huh. He, he didn't see from the beginning. So he ha that had to be created. 
So the working of miracles element there is the, is the wisdom to create. Which is, for example, Jesus spat to the ground. Don't do that, please. Okay, if you're not led. He spat to the ground, then he rubbed sand. See, that's the working of miracles there. The insight of the process of creation. But the, 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 the gift of faith there is the very boldness to attempt it. Am I making sense? The gift of faith there is the very boldness to attempt. So someone can feel like, yeah, okay, this is the strategy. But no, you don't have the boldness to, to attempt. So that's how they work in part. And most times, they often work in partnership because what someone else would do in an instance, another person may not. Now, what I want to say is this. There are gifts, but there's also relationship. There are some things that relationship will get you there. You don't need gift. And that's a whole teaching. So, Jim, I hope I've been able to answer your question. Yeah, so that's that combination. The working of miracles there is the insight into the creative process. Working of miracles is, okay, John chapter 2, they need wine. He says, okay, fill the, fill the jar with water and go draw it out. See, he's creating in that process. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, any other? No, I think you said what I wanted <laughs> to say, that it, you know, the, the, um, the gift of faith is, Normally at the inception of it, at the, the starting point, it starts with that. Before you even go and attempt a miracle, you need to actually first believe, have the faith or the, the boldness to, to, you know, to take the action. So I think that's one thing to remember. It's like the first thing that operates would be the gift of faith. Then it would be the miraculous because the miraculous needs that gift of faith in order to come to fruition. Amen. Any other in-house questions? No? Okay. Uh, last question. Um, how do you teach um, faith to a child? Hmm. Sorry, that's yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Do you know one thing that I would say about children is that they just believe anyway. <laughs> they don't actually need to be taught. Um, I don't think. Like, you could tell them anything and they'll just believe you. Um, and I think it's actually as you get older, that's when it becomes a lot more difficult. Um, so I would say, I mean, I'm not a parent, but being a social worker and having worked with children, I think I would say just kind of cultivating that curiosity that children really come with anyways. So when it comes to teaching your child the Bible, the word of God, um, I think it's just cultivating something that God has already birthed within them because they're so innocent children. They come already innocent. They're not that it's only through time that's when like different sorts of things like you know um tv and all that stuff and friends and everything starts to then influence a child but when a child actually um comes they're very innocent i remember with some of my um like nieces and nephews i could just say that oh auntie tini's got a headache please pray for me they'll just do it they will and they will that will have they will have faith yeah. because they believe that you know when they put their hands on me um, the headache will go. I didn't have to teach them. I didn't have to say that, okay, now believe. Um, I think sometimes the lack of faith that may appear when we're older is because, I don't know, maybe life circumstances, those other external things have come into the mix. And yeah, that's probably one thing that I would say about, yeah, you never have to teach a child, but I could be different. I don't know. Let See, the parents My, my thing is teach them early. <laughs> yeah. Once you teach them early, um, um, you don't allow them space to cultivate. You starve the thing of doubting. Yeah. And when you teach them early, they, they, they must be positive. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, which is in essence, is constantly encouraging that inquisitiveness that they have, constantly encourage, encouraging them to take action on things. So 
parenting is very proactive. It shouldn't be reactive. We're not waiting for certain things to happen before we say, okay, I'm, I'm now going to teach you faith. So it's that thing of, for example, I'm always getting my, you know, trying to always get my child to, okay, pray for me. Or mommy's having a headache. Pray for mom. Pray for dad. Pray, constantly creating those action points where they're constantly expressing that faith in every situation. Oh, you said um, school has been tough today. What do we do when, when things seem tough? Okay, let's pray and let's believe that God will answer us. So it's those things using every situation and circumstance to point them to faith and show them how to exhibit it in daily life, in every single thing. Like, oh, you have a headache. Okay, let's pray for this. Oh, this is happening. Let's pray for this. And we believe that God will do it. And then each time God answers, because they're so innocent and they have such a childlike faith, it gets done. And the fact that the answer comes, it affirms that, yeah, I can keep doing this. And God keep, keeps answering. That's what it does for them. That's my best opinion. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we thank God. Thank you so much, everybody. Amen. We give God praise. We're going to, we're going to close now. Thank you for your patience. The point is, he's made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is the legal position of things. But just because it's the legal position of things does not mean that it is the evident reality. And what sons are supposed to do, are we together, is to take that reality and manifest it on the earth. But in their desire to manifest it on the earth, they will come across contention and friction. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The wrestling is not legal. We are superior, but there is resistance. So here is the point now. So what is the point of prayer? Prayer is how we advance this cause. To be able to carry out some of the things that you need to do. So for example, when it comes to persistence and importunity, if you don't pray the prayer of edification, you will lack stamina for longevity. What is affecting our lack of importunity is the fact that we are not built spiritually to last that long. Come on, somebody. All right. So that means that that thing that you're giving up is a test of your spiritual stamina. Is that you're not, we're not yet built to handle that level of waiting he said to Moses he says build me a tabernacle so that I can dwell in the midst of the people so what was the purpose of the tabernacle for God's dwelling you see that that was the design that was why he designed the tabernacle so that he could find in their midst the opportunity to dwell amongst them not visit them not that they visit him but that's